How to repair our relationships individually and nationally to feel hope in hard times. Interview with Phyllis Levitt. Are you feeling disappointed and frightened with all the divisiveness and violence around us? How do we repair our relationships individually and nationally so we can feel hope in these hard times? Would you like to learn? Then stay tuned as our guest Phyllis Levitt shares how to create hope and participate in creating a safer and more sustainable human-centered work environments, communities, and nation. You're watching Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina, episode 97. And Phyllis, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's an honor to be here. You're welcome. And so Phyllis Levitt is an author of two books, A Light in the Darkness and Into the Fire. She has been a psychotherapist for over 30 years and is currently writing a book about bringing America to therapy. Phyllis has a master's degree in psychology and counseling from Antioch University. She lives in Taos, New Mexico, is mostly retired from her practice, and is currently focused on writing her book, America and Therapy. And I am your host, Dr. Rosina Lakani. I help compassionate high achievers achieve more, earn more, and make an impact they are meant to make without burnout and without losing their health or career. Mm -hmm. I'm an executive coach, a corporate speaker, and an integrative psychiatrist. I believe that your mind is the software that runs the hardware of both your brain and your body. Therefore, I share practical tips for your mental fitness. If you need any specific medical advice, please consult your healthcare professional. But if you find this content helpful, then join our mission of eradicating preventable suffering by liking, subscribing, and sharing so more people can live and perform at their best with hope, health, and happiness. Beautiful. Thank you. All right. So let's learn from our guest. So Phyllis, tell us, how did this topic become important in your life? You know, what kind of challenges you were going through or you saw people going through that made you think about this topic? Yeah. Well, in a nutshell, I had abuse in my own childhood and I did not understand at all what that was. You know, I didn't even remember it for a really long time. And when I first went to therapy, I went to therapy because I was in a re really difficult marriage. I was in a really difficult marriage. And, but what I discovered, you know, back then before people weren't talking about therapy when I was young, was that our childhood and our conditioning has everything to do with how we feel and how we behave and what we believe and, and our fulfillment or lack thereof in adulthood. And that was a really big eye opener for me. And I ended up uh, going back to school and becoming um, a psychotherapist myself. That's how I got here. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And so we would love to learn some of the things how we can repair our relationships, both in our personal lives, but also at the national level. And so tell me if we do apply some of the tools that you're going to teach us today, how would our life be different? What would be better? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you how my life changed dramatically. And I can give you, a, you know, a, a short version of how many clients lives have changed dramatically. My life changed dramatically, you know, my coping mechanisms changed my isolation dropped away, I was able to leave a dysfunctional marriage and found 
a wonderful partner and husband and you know I'm I'm in a happy healthy relationship now which I never thought was possible. I really never thought it was possible. And you know writing has always been my passion and it was more or less something I did on my own and now I'm really bringing that into the world and these are all results from like hard work that that I feel like psychotherapy was one part of and a very important part of and remembering what happened to me so that I could rework some, you know, dynamics within myself that weren't serving me. And with clients, you know, sometimes it's really subtle and sometimes it's really dramatic, but I've seen people do a 180 from and especially you know the more trauma is in their childhood the more deficits in love and belonging or safety that people have experienced when they find a safe place where they can really explore what happened to them and the impact on them they're able to make better choices and 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 that's what i see happening and even with people that you know come in kind of like resistant and tough if they stick it out you know i see the same kind of things happen for them that have happened to me in their own unique ways so i know that healing is possible i know that the cycle of violence and abuse can be broken and part of my motivation for writing the book that i'm writing now is that i want to see that in our country and i want to see that in the world you know more than anything i have children and i have grandchildren and many of us do and we want to see them inherit a safe and sustainable world. Yeah, yeah. So, we're kind of talking two different things. One is kind of repairing the relationship at personal level. Right. And then the other thing is repairing the relationship at, at nationally or at the community level. Right. So, can you kind of share how do you see this similarity between the individual level and the national level? Yeah. I mean, to me, the microcosm and the macrocosm are intricately related. I see what I see and one of the reasons why I want to talk about this is that the things we have learned about how to repair relationships in our own lives if we were to apply them on a national level we could change the functioning of our country. And there are psychological reasons why peace and love and safety and provision for all and tolerance of diversity there's a reason why those things are not on the national agenda and they're psychological reasons we've been sort of conditioned to believe that they're ideological reasons but i believe that they're psychological reasons and i'll say it really quickly and that is that people who are really loved who are taken care of who feel that they're valued who feel that they have a place and they belong and they're wanted who are provided for do not want to murder other people they do not want to hate other people they do not want to rape or exploit or in any other way um harm other human beings and these are the things that people come to therapy for all the ways that they've been hurt my contention is that what we've learned in the best psychotherapy we could apply to our nation if we were number one new that we needed to do that and number 2 that we had the will and the commitment to do it and we could empower people who are have the will and commitment to do it. Mhm. So that's that's great and lofty goal. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we all need to work together. So why don't we kind of dig down and go a little more uh, nitty-gritty of 
practical tips that each person can apply in their life to repair their relationship at the individual level. And then we'll kind of talk about how they can apply it so that it also affects the community and nation. and And I think when I talk about it on the individual level, you'll be able to even see how it relates to the nation because we're just people. The yeah. nation's people, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, let's jump in. Let's. So, what are what are some of the tips that you would like to share? Well, I just sort of have taken these from what I think the elements of some of the best psychotherapy are. The things that I think really help people heal. So, the first one is these are the things. The first element is um, it's that you, there's a safe place to share our pain. There was a wonderful mediator who I got a chance to hear speak in Santa Fe many years ago. He's passed away, but I have never forgotten his talk. And he was an international mediator. And what he said was that when he got to like warring or conflictual tribes or groups or whoever they were together, the first thing that he did was ask them to share their pain. Not who's right and who's wrong, not who's good and who's evil, not who started it, what is your pain? What happened to your family? What happened to your community? What happened to your church or your schools? And once people began to share their pain, they got on the same page because our pain is our pain. If we lost our children, it doesn't matter if you're a Muslim or a Jew. And so that I feel is one of the bottom lines for the best psychotherapy that if we could, and again, I'll just quickly make the the distinction for our country, if we got conflictual divisive parties together and we made a space for them to share their pain rather than their, you know, fierce opposition or their ideological differences, we might have a starting place. So that's the first element. And I hope I remember all the ones, but the, another one, a very important one for that is an element in psychotherapy that I found myself to be one of the most healing elements in my own journey was having the space and the safety to go down into what the formative elements of my life were. And that enabled me to remember what had happened to me, that there was someone just sitting there holding the light and believing in me and knowing that my symptoms were not random. I wasn't a deficient person. There was a reason for my depression or my anxiety or my nightmares or whatever, that something had happened. And we make it safe for each other to tell our stories and be believed and have empathy and compassion around two things, the wounds that we've endured and the wounds we've inflicted, because we've all done both. And it's easier to talk about what people did to us than what we've done. And again, you don't have to be like a major perpetrator, but we've all hurt people in our lives Mm -hmm. out of our own wounding. And we've all been hurt out of other people's wounding. And that to me, again, if I relate that to our country, we have to own our past. We have to make it safe to talk about not only the traumas that you know, all the immigrant populations that first populated the United States brought with them because many, many, including my own, my own family that came from Eastern Europe came out of trauma and poverty and oppression and religious violence. And so we brought all that and none of that's really been healed as a nation. And we have inflicted it on the native Americans and on black people and on women and on you know, endless numbers of minorities, and we're just acting out our pain 
the way people do in their own families when their pain has not been healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, what I'm hearing is number one, create the safe place for the person to be able to talk, whether it is in your family that you're trying to repair a relationship or at work that you're trying to repair the relationship or at community or national level. I want to create the safe environment for people to be able to talk about their pain. Absolutely. And then the second one is to identify or own the history, like you said, or accept what intentionally or unintentionally if you have hurt other people and how mm-hmm. you have been hurt so creating the safe place and owning whatever has happened all right and that makes sense i think that could work at both individually and Thank collectively you. what is the third third thing so that kind of culminates in the idea of taking personal responsibility And that is one of the key things that we help people do in psychotherapy. And that helped me like I'm responsible for the way I reacted. Yes. I have good reason for some of my dysfunction because it came from dysfunction, but ultimately I'm responsible. And, and I think that's a big one for our country, you know, instead of whether it's the divisiveness in the country and the name calling and the blaming, and he did this and she did that. The idea of, let's just say family therapy, because I'm kind of using a family therapy model, is that we repair the family. We don't create scapegoats. We don't create good guys and bad guys. We try to repair everyone and the relations between us. And and one of the elements of doing that is that self-reflection, going into our past and taking responsibility for our part, whatever that is. And it might require, and this is the next element, making amends. Sometimes we have to make amends. And we know, I think as individuals, how wonderful it feels when someone makes amends to us, when someone is genuinely comes to you and says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you, or I see that what I did hurt you, or I didn't mean to be that way, or blah, blah. You know, it just feels amazing. And we can give that to each other. And that can become part of the foundation that we build ourselves, our relationships with our families, in our workplaces, in our communities. And I keep saying this over and over again, like a broken record, and the people we vote for, people who can take responsibility and not just keep blaming other people for what's going on, even the things that are very difficult to digest. So making amends. And then the next element is coming to some resolution. Like, let's make some agreements about how we want it to be different in the future and have a commitment to keeping those agreements, even if it's hard. And, and I think that, you know, that's, that's clear in relationship, you know, when people are working stuff out and, and one person says, you know, what I really want you to agree to is not to walk out when they're in, we're in the middle of an argument. I, if you could just take your breath and, you know, count to 10 or say, I'm going to take a break, but I'll come back as soon as I calm down, and then I will work this out with you. We ask each other to make agreements. Don't yell at me. Be softer with the kids, whatever it is. And and clearly that's needed in our country, that we make agreements that are for, and this is true in the family and for a country, that are for everyone's good. The agreements, it's like we have our individual wants and needs within the context of what's good for the family, whether it's our family or the family of our country. 
And that's how we look at the, the nature of what are functional agreements. And the last element is reconnecting, that we come back together. That's what repair is about. Repair is we come back together. We feel more empathy for one another's pain, one another's issues, one another's you know missteps and our own. And we feel that coming to us. And we start to feel our brotherhood with one another. Like we're all in this boat, the same boat of being human. And we all want love and we all want safety and we all want peace. We all really do. I've never met a client who wanted more war, who wanted more hate in their life. We don't. And so the, the last element is that we do everything in our power through those other steps to reconnect. So like, you know, as I'm hearing you, the question that is coming in my mind and probably some of the audience mind is, Let's say, like you know, I I saw a lot of divisiveness in the families uh, with the with the elections going on. I had I had right. grandparents telling me that their kids ha- are not letting them connect with their grandkids because they differ in terms of which political party they are supporting, yeah. and and so it created a lot of even divisiveness within the families, mm-hmm. and so somebody hears your message and they say, yeah, this is a great idea and I would really like to heal this relationship. And they want to sit down and they create the safe environment and they want to discuss the pain, like, you know, how it is affecting them. But then it comes to what I think is right versus what you think is right. So how do you, how do you resolve that? Because yes, you know, when it comes to, let's say, if somebody realizes, oh, I said something that hurt you, then they can say sorry. But if I don't realize that I have hurt you or, mm-hmm. you know, vice versa, you may just say, okay, well, I just do not agree with this philosophy or that philosophy or this. Mm-hmm. How do you resolve those differences in opinion and very strong political opinions? Right. And I don't know that I have all the answers, but what I would say as you're speaking is sometimes we just have to let it go and agree to disagree because I may not be able to change your mind to what I think is a more humanitarian stance or a more loving connected way of being, but I don't have to act out on you. I'm still responsible for how I respond to you. And that's where the hope is. I have agency over myself So if you say something that is inflammatory for my values, I don't have to be inflammatory back. And that doesn't mean I'm just a doormat that um, you walk on. I may take a stand, but I don't have to assault you. And maybe I'll take my stand somewhere else where there is a possibility of having a greater influence. Somebody has to get out of the war. And the person that can get out of the war is me. I can't make you or anything, you know what I mean? I can't make the other person get out of the war, but I can get out of it. And that can be a powerful voice for peace, not not a passive, I give up or resigned, I can't do anything. But I will go love the people that I can give my love to. I will work it out with the people that are available to work it out. And if I want to go on a podcast and talk about it, I will. And if I want to write a book, I will. And I'll do everything in my power because that's the world that I want the human race to inhabit. Yeah. And I'll do that till I die. Yeah. Well, I'll kind of bring a practical example of a, a client who is very much against the guns. She is a healthcare professional. She's against the guns. 
and her son and daughter-in-law are very much uh, pro-gun and so they want to keep the guns in their home mm -hmm. and and so my client is like you know really feeling very strong about having the guns at home with the little kids and how it kind of what kind of message we are giving to the kids yeah. and so it kind of created a lot of uh, term the divisiveness is the right word yeah. within the family and this is the only son she has and so it has you know at a practical level this disagreement has caused so much pain mm -hmm. and so much separation and isolation how how would you advise this woman to repair her relationship with her son who clearly has a very different opinion about something that she feels really strong about well i don't know if i know how the relationship can be repaired but i would say something similar to what i said and that is that she find an appropriate loving way, which she probably already has, to speak her mind and share her concerns and her worry, especially for the grandchild or whatever all of her concerns are. And then she has to tolerate her own distress. I think that's the hardest thing for us to do is tolerate our own distress and then channel it into something that is powerful and constructive where we can do it. She may not be able to get her son to remove the guns from the home. She may, or she may not, but tolerating her own distress will help her not take it out on him, which will only disrupt the relationship more. Does that make sense? And then, you know, and then I think, you know, in our society, there's things that we can't tolerate. And so if there's, if, if there's real danger, then you try to get help from the outside. You know, if someone really needs to be contained, that doesn't sound like the story of what you're talking about, but you know, there's a, there's, there are points where some behavior is criminal and then you, you do something about it, or it's a case for social services and then you do what you can do, but sometimes we can't. And I think tolerating our own distress is one of the, one of the keys to mental health. Because when we don't, we either act in on ourselves or we act out on other people or both. And that's really true in the workplace as well. Yeah. So let's kind of revisit and apply these elements in the, in the case study I just shared. So what would you advise this woman step by step? So the first step was to create a safe environment to talk to her son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to say, you know, I just want to share my concerns with you. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to have a conversation with me? We may or may not end up agreeing, but I would like to speak my mind about my concern about the guns. And I'm open to hearing your point of view because so often we just want to convince somebody that we're right. Right. Cause I'm right. 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 <laughs> and I want to hear your point of view. So I don't want you to feel like you have to defend yourself or justify anything. I want to hear where you're coming from. And I'm, I'm asking that you be willing to hear where I'm coming from and let's see where we can go from there. Rather than I want to sit you down and tell you why what you're doing is wrong because who's open to that. Most of us aren't. Right. Right. I think the, the most important thing is that I would like to share my thoughts and I am open to hearing your viewpoint so we can right. come to a resolution. So that's a wonderful suggestion. And then 
when you do talk, you know, like you said, the third element was to own the history. Mm-hmm. And so uh, take the responsibility. So you can say, okay, this has happened in past. I was very reactive. I was, you know, right. I teamed or whatever, and I apologize. So you make an amend. Right. right. And then you look for an agreement that you can both agree to and live with and feel good about because that will help you bring back yourselves back into reconnection. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. my, my patient was, was not willing to accept the guns as an acceptable situation. So how does she come to an agreement? Well, you know, it's not her choice. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where I say you have to tolerate your own distress because some things are our choice and some things just aren't. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in our country that are not my choice. Right. But I can I don't want to spend my time just banging my head against the wall. I want to do something that's proactive. And maybe what she does is work on, you know, advocating um, for gun reform and advocating against gun violence somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where where she does have a voice, mm-hmm. and then to, they come to an agreement. And what was the last element that reconnecting? Reconnecting, yeah. And that's part of the basis of a, of the conversation. I care about you. I don't want this to come between us. You know, whatever we have to do so that our bond is not disrupted. Let's let's sit down and listen to each other. Imagine if if in Congress they were doing that. I want to hear your point of view. I really want to understand where you're coming from. And I really want to be free to speak my own point of view. Imagine, you know, one of the things I want is a department of a real department of psychology in our government to have mediators in Congress to guide people to actually listen. Wouldn't that be amazing? We would be living in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Impossible. It's not. We just have to want it. Well, this is like, you know, really interesting topic and would love to dig in further, but we're coming towards the end of time. So before we wrap up, can you uh, share your best advice that people can depart with? You know, I, it's just one sentence that we all learned in, well, I learned in elementary school. I don't know if they teach it in elementary school anymore, but it was do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If we lived that way, all of our problems would be resolved. Yeah. I wouldn't do anything to you that I wouldn't want anyone to do to me and vice versa. Yeah. So then all the people who do go and hurt other people or, or kill other people or, you know, abuse other people would not do that because that they don't want that to be done to them. And it wouldn't have been done to them. People who go shoot up schools you know, something happened to them. They're, they didn't lead happy, loving, inclusive, provided for lives. They just didn't. So we have to start somewhere, though. We start mm-hmm. with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. And I just want to share with the with our audience the special gift that you are sharing today. So Phyllis is going to share a gift with us called Six Elements to Repair a Relationship that goes over some of these uh, points that she talked about. And if they want to get more information about you, where would they get the information about you, Phyllis? Yeah, I have a website, and it's www.phyllislevitt.com. And you can see the how my name is spelled. But that uh-huh. that's just simply my name, phyllislevitt.com. And I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and uh, YouTube and whatever. 
<laughs> yeah. All right, great. Yeah. Thank you so much. And then at this point in time, I just want to let everybody know that you can get this and other resources by visiting our website called happyandhealthymind.com and click on the resources to get these resources. And if you are in US and you would like us to send the reminders for these programs, you can text the word joyful to the number 38470 and we'd be happy to send you the links to these resources. And so let me leave you with this message that we all have one life and we have the opportunity to make the best out of this life. And every day is a new opportunity. We have the option of recognizing how some of our actions or other people's action is causing the distress to us as communities, at workplaces, in our nation, and take personal responsibility for what we are contributing and participate in creating safe environment for us and for everybody else. So I leave you with one question. What is one thing you are going to choose differently today? to participate in this mission of creating safe environment for yourself and others. On that note, stay safe and happy and healthy. Until next time, Dr. Rosie, thank you for this for joining. Thank you so much.